Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this Sunday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, joined as always by my fake black friend, white boy, Malcolm X. Hope you all are having a good weekend so far. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, you can do that a couple of different ways. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com, and my parlor handle, that is at Miller Frost. Speaking of parlor, though, You know, I have been having some issues accessing the site either on the app on my phone or on a browser on my MacBook Pro, and come to find out, it's because I'm on my home Wi-Fi, and that is run through Comcast Xfinity, and guess what, folks? It appears that Comcast Xfinity is blocking the site. I cannot get onto that website if I'm on my home network, so if I switch over to cellular, which is on Verizon, I can access it. It pulls right up, but yeah, Comcast Xfinity is acting like a bunch of I don't know, virgin pajama boys (laughs) over at Twitter blocking the website because they don't like it. So it looks like I'm going to have to go over to Vios if I want to access this website on my home network. So you folks over at Comcast Xfinity, you woke folks over there, screw you. (laughs) There is still competition and I am going to move over to that. Like spoiled children, white boy Malcolm X. (laughs) I'll tell you what. Oh, and another thing with Parler, I was actually chatting with someone on the uh, the platform yesterday, and you folks out there, if you're on there, come say hello. My handle is at Miller Frost, but yeah, I was chatting with someone there yesterday, and they are starting their own podcast. Welcome to the club, and it's called No Place for Snowflakes, so it's not out yet, but it will be soon, but you want to talk about a triggering title? All those woke folk out there, they are going to be super butthurt when they hear about that. They're going to be like, oh, you are trying to silence us. You are trying to erase us with your horrible podcast. So no place for snowflakes coming to a podcast platform near you. Is he still spooked out, White Bill Malcolm X? Yeah, okay. Sorry, folks, we're having a bit of an issue here at the Frost household. My 10-month-old kitten is spooked to no end. I had a washing machine go in balance this morning, that bang, 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 those things do, right? And he was completely spooked out. And when that started in, he literally peed himself (laughs) right there in my dining room and bolted upstairs. And he has not gone downstairs since, but 
Yeah, I got it all cleaned up, but the dining room still smells a little bit like cat pee. <laughs> oh, well, but uh, yeah, he is completely spooked out. So we're going to keep an eye on that while we are doing the podcast. So my poor cat is traumatized by a washing machine. And I guess that's what liberals do <laughs> when they get traumatized or triggered by something as well. They just pee their pants <laughs> and run upstairs and hide. So we are going to go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. And folks, I got to tell you, this show, just like Wednesday's show, it's a very, very weird news cycle. In fact, I think this podcast is going to be mostly news quick hits. I only think we've got like six news stories, six or seven, I can't remember. But two of them, in any case, two of our stories, our news stories, are going to be teacher bait stories. So sweet baby Jesus has deemed me worthy of having not one, but two teacher bait stories among our six or seven news stories. And yes, white by Malcolm X, gay at the front and smoking gun at the back. It's not even a Florida smoking gun story, but I'll tell you what, it totally could be a Florida smoking gun story. (laughs) But you folks are going to have to wait till the end of the podcast to hear that. So let's go ahead and jump into our news quick hits. And I don't even know why I started with this one, but here we go. And this is from Business Insider. Matt Gatz's former classmates explain what he was like in high school. So yes, folks, those doofuses over at Business Insider, they have gone back to high school to find out about Matt Gatz. And I think it's Gatz. Folks, I don't listen to the news anymore. I just tend to read it, right? So I'm not on watching a lot of news these days. So I just read most of it, right? So I do not hear how things are pronounced. So I'm assuming it's Gatz. It could be Gates or I don't know what else. This is the guy, if you have been living in a cave, this is the Republican congressman who was accused of betting an underage young lady and apparently has also been accused of hiring prostitutes. So they are also looking into his background a little bit more here at Business Insider. And here's a poll quote from that. Some of Matt Gatz's former classmates spoke exclusively with Insider about his high school days. Gatz, now 38, had a reputation as a know-it-all who talked over his classmates and teachers. And here's one more poll quote. His high school classmates are gossiping about him on their Facebook alumni group. We've talked a couple times on this podcast about how the swamp, how Washington, D.C. is like a ginormous high school, right? And Nancy Pelosi, she is the queen of the mean girl clique over in D.C. But yeah, this is more of that. Reminds me of that Bowling for Soup song, High School Never Ends. (laughs) Going and digging through someone's high school past to create a narrative about them, right? That is an old media trick, right? They want to prove a narrative of the day, right? And today's narrative is that Matt Gatz is a jerk. And what do they do? They go back 20 years, folks. They, uh, they're they digging up stuff in high school to, uh, to prove their narrative. Like anyone could escape that sort of investigation <laughs> and not be called a jerk in high school, right? I bet every one of those clowns over at Business Insider who Research And folks, they talked to like 20-something of Matt's high school classmates, right? They went through and interviewed, and they all were like, yeah, Matt is a jerk. And now you got a bunch of them acting like a bunch of high school mean girls <laughs> gossiping about him on Facebook. These people, these millennials are almost 40 years of age. They are grown adults. And what do they do with their spare time? They gossip about Matt Gatz on Facebook <laughs> like a bunch of teenagers, like a bunch of spoiled brats. <laughs> 
<laughs> you people need to get a life out there. But yeah, that's what they're doing with Matt. And I tell you what, none of us, myself included, White Boy Malcolm X, those clowns over at Business Insider, all the folks gossiping about Matt Gatz. I guarantee you, if you did a probe of what they were like in high school, they would wind up being jerks as well. Who isn't a jerk at some point in their lives? Who isn't, especially in high school, who isn't acting out as a jerk? So you Sherlock Holmes clowns over at Business Insider need to try a little bit harder if that is what you're doing to prove the narrative there. The high school investigation. Yeah, that hasn't been done six ways to Sunday. And I'm not defending the guy. I don't know what he has or has not done. I don't know much about him. I just see this and I'm like, oh, there they go again. They're going back to find out something he did in high school, something 20 years ago. We're going to prove that this guy is a schmuck and we're going to do it by going back 20 years to his high school days to show how he is, right? They're going to extrapolate behavior that was going on 20 years ago to prove that is who he is today. And White Boy Malcolm X, I think we can chalk that up to reason 5,178 that people hate and do not trust the media. This sort of crap that they do to, uh, to trash someone's reputation. Speaking of trash reputations, this is from the Daily Wire. BLM responds to criticism of co-founder. Right-wing offensive, which continues a tradition of terror by... <gasps> White supremacists, oh no, those crafty, evasive white supremacists, those tricksters are at it again. Here are a couple pull quotes there. In recent days, Black Lives Matter co-founder Patrice Kahn Coolers has been facing severe backlash after news broke of a real estate buying binge that saw the high-profile racial justice activist snagging four high-end homes for $3.2 million in the U.S. alone, just as questions mount about how National Black Lives Matter spent the tens of millions it collected in 2020. Yeah, so Patrice Kahn Coolers to recap last Wednesday's podcast, and that was a correction of a news story we had a week ago. Patrice Kahn Coolers has been making huge bank and has been spending it on homes across the country. No, I take that back. She has a house in Georgia with an indoor swimming pool and an RV repair shop just like any good lesbian would have, and a runway and an airport hangar. But she has three houses in the greater Los Angeles market, right? And we talked about that on Wednesday's podcast. We said that woman could never get stuck in traffic in Los Angeles because whenever she hit any traffic, chances were that she could just pull over and she had a house nearby that she could just go and wait out the traffic. But yeah, she is, I guess, not happy with that reporting. And I guess BLM is not happy with that reporting. And that is what this is about. And here's one more poll quote. In response, the Black Lives Matter movement released a statement on Twitter on Tuesday saying that Patrice Coolers is the executive director of Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation and that she serves in this role in a volunteer capacity and does not receive a salary or benefits. And folks, here is their full statement. This is a BLM statement on Patrice Kahn Coolers. Patrice's work for black people, and folks, those are capital B black people, so you know they're real black people, over the years has made her and others who align with the fight for black liberation targets of racist violence. Black liberation, white boy Malcolm X. You are fake black, so what do you think they mean by black liberation? Slavery. You think they mean slavery. You think they feel like they are enslaved. Hmm. Now that, folks... That is pretty hysterical. She is acting like a hysterical drama queen, like Patrice wants a job on CNN. 
Patrice, they got enough hysterical drama queens over there. I would, well, I can't say go to MSNBC. <laughs> You're out of luck there as well. But yeah, one of these days, honey, you will get a gig on a television show, make even more huge bank. You can have two or three places in New York. But yeah, black liberation targets. I guess, uh, I guess that could be slavery. Yeah. Oh, well, rather odd. They seem like they are oppressed somehow. I don't know how she's complaining about being oppressed. <laughs> she got $3.2 million in houses, right? She got three houses in L.A., Maybe if she had a fourth house in Los Angeles, she would not feel so oppressed. But I guess that she is a target. They are all targets, those folks that support black liberation. From what? I have no idea. (laughs) Oh, well. The narratives being spread out about Patrice have been generated by right-wing forces intent on reducing the support and influence of a movement that is larger than any one organization. The right-wing offensive not only puts Patrice her child, and her loved ones in harm's way. White boy Malcolm X, she's got a kid? She is reproducing? Now that, folks, that is a scary thought. It also continues a tradition of terror by white supremacists against black activists. So yes, folks, the left's favorite bogeyman, the white supremacists, the ones they can't ever find, right, folks? We had that story on last Wednesday's podcast, NBC, They had a White Lives Matter rally and nobody showed up. And what did NBC deduce? It is because of folks like NBC News and all the other media and the FBI, the Popo. They have driven the white supremacists underground. So that is their favorite bogeyman, the one they don't actually have to produce anytime soon. They can just keep talking about white supremacists lurking about in the shadows. They're hidden and we can't find them because they've gone deep, deep, deep underground. But they're still out there. So you never can know when they're going to pop up and rise up and get you. (laughs) So yes, folks, white supremacists are back in action. All black activists know the fear these malicious and serial actions are meant to instill. The fear of being silenced, the trauma of being targeted, the torture of feeling one's family is exposed to danger just for speaking out against unjust systems. Well, that sounds just like a college campus these days. So now they know how someone feels on a college campus if they're conservative or somebody who works in a woke corporation who's conservative. I mean, can you imagine folks being a Trump supporter at Google? (laughs) You want to talk about being silenced and the trauma of being targeted. Be a conservative in a woke corporation these days. We have seen this tactic of terror time and time again, but our movement will not be silenced. Goodness, they are going at it again with being silenced. And we've talked about that on this podcast as well. Those folks who run around and cry and complain about people out to silence them. They're trying to silence us as they go from show to show to show to show to show. Talking about how people are trying to silence them. And I keep thinking, well, I wish we were a quarter successful as you people keep complaining we are. Because you are not being silenced in the least. And I guarantee you, folks, Patrice Con Coolers, she can run her mouth at will and nobody will shut her up. Especially in the media. They're terrified of being called a racist. But yeah, that will never happen. I think that's called gaslighting, White Boy Malcolm X. Those folks running around complaining about being silenced all the time. And look at poor Parlor, right? We were just talking about that a couple minutes ago. Parlor is being silenced by Comcast Xfinity. They have deplatformed them. You cannot access Parler on a Comcast or Xfinity network, right? <laughs> Speaking of being silenced, but Patrice Con Coolers, oh, they're trying to silence me. And she's all butthurt about being targeted and being oppressed and 
having to fight for black liberation. This woman, this multimillionaire with her four homes, her millions of dollars in houses, is a poor, oppressed soul. Poor princess. Poor Patrice. It's so hard being you. God. I love it when multimillionaires run around complaining about being oppressed. That is one of my favorite things, like that fake social justice warrior, Colin Kaepernick. Yes, I'm talking to you, Colin. You are a fake social justice warrior, another multimillionaire running around complaining about being oppressed. And I guess maybe in some way she is, right, folks? I mean, I guess if she had like $12 million in houses or $20 million in houses or $50 million in houses, maybe she would feel less oppressed, right? But at $3.2 million, she said, man, I only have four houses and three of them are in Los Angeles, but I would love to have a house in Aspen or Vail. like to be over there in Colorado. I'd like to have a penthouse on Billionaire's Row in New York. I'd like to maybe have a chalet in Switzerland, or I'd like to have some sort of pad in Paris or, you know, all these other fancy cities across the globe. That's why she's feeling oppressed, folks, because she only has $3.2 million worth of houses. If she were truly making huge bank like social justice warriors try to, she could have the money to rain down on real estate agents across the globe. And she would have plenty and plenty of places, plenty of safe spaces for her to go and cry about being oppressed. (laughs) She only has four places to go and cry about being oppressed, and she wants more of them. Hang in there, Patrice. One of these days, you will have five or six or seven or eight or nine houses <laughs> and uh, $30, $40 million in the bank. So settle down. Woke is still profitable. Don't you worry about that, dear. From the Daily Caller, I'm a street fighter. Pelosi says she would have fought Capitol rioters. Hmm, let's find out about that. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said Tuesday she would have fought Capitol rioters should they have entered the House chamber, according to USA Today. Pelosi was asked by USA Today what she would have done if she wasn't evacuated in time, to which she responded, Well, I'm pretty tough. I'm a street fighter. They would have had a battle on their hands. Pelosi held up her four-inch stiletto heels and said, I would have had these, according to USA Today. (laughs) White boy Malcolm X, can you see that old hag? Waving a stiletto around. <laughs> going after those capital rioters. <laughs> Bless her heart going after them. I'd be worried, folks, that she would pop a surgery staple. <laughs> that facelift would have been like, boom. It would have like gone back to the old ways if she had gone swinging her arm like that with that stiletto. <laughs> Although, I have to say, in Nancy's defense, now that I think about this, if any Democrat would have gone after those rioters had they gone into her chambers... Well, they actually did get into her chambers, right? They were in her office doing all sorts of things. That poor guy got charged with a felony for taking an envelope off her desk, taking government property. But yeah, I can see her over the others. I mean, she has what are her lieutenants names? Steny Hoyer and who's the other one? Uh, James Cliver. And uh, yeah, those two eunuchs. (laughs) Can you see Steny Hoyer and James Cliver and those two geriatrics bitch slapping (laughs) a Capitol rioter? Stay away from us. We're we're woke. Stay away. And it's like ugh, slapping, slapping. I'm just slapping. And there's old Nancy with her stiletto or her staples popping out of her face. I'm going to fight you guys. You're not taking me. I'm in the ruling class. This swamp will be protected forever. Some queen will be like, Nancy, don't destroy your heels. Those are fabulous, dear. Stop, stop. Yes, Nancy Pelosi. Bless your heart. I tell you what, I'm pretty tough. I'm a street fighter. (laughs) Honey, you are a pampered member of the ruling class with your 
big expensive refrigerator or two stuffed full of ice cream, <laughs> high-end ice cream in the freezer. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Mike Lindell announces four words you won't be able to use on Frank, his new social media platform. I wonder, White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder if this is a victory lap. <laughs> now that he has vanished that little queen, David Hogg, he's coming out and announcing a social media platform. He's like, ha, kid, you did not beat me in the pillow game and I am one-upping you. I got a new platform. So <laughs> That little queen is probably crying in her cornflakes over that. <laughs> I couldn't do it. Yes, queen, White Boy Malcolm X. Well, I don't mean queen, literally. I don't know if David Hogg is a member of the tribe, but he acts like a queen. He acts like a bitchy little queen. <laughs> right when uh, that whole pillow thing came out, I was like, God, he is just like a bitchy little queen. Well, I don't like Mike Lindell, and I don't like his pillow, so I'm going to make my own pillow company, and it's going to be woke, and it's going to be progressive, and we're going to have union-paying jobs, and it's going to be all this fancy stuff, and, it's gonna, and we're going to put Mike Lindell out of business. That's a bitchy queen. <laughs> So I hope, I hope he is not a member of our tribe. Good God, our tribe has enough train wrecks without David Hogg joining the group. So David, if you are a queen, please stay in the closet. We do not want you here. And here's the pull quote from that story. During a recent interview with NDT News, the Christian patriot Mike Lindell revealed that in addition to calls for criminal acts, the four swear words that you won't see on his new social media platform, you don't get to use the four swear words, the C word, the N word, the F word, or God's name in vain. Free speech is not pornography. Free speech isn't I'm going to kill you, Lindell said. I assume, white boy Malcolm X, that he means the, the word that is associated with intercourse, not fag. But uh, yeah, the F word, the C word, the N word, or saying G whatever. <laughs> You folks know what he's talking about, and no, you can't talk about pornography there as well, or threatening to kill someone. And I am assuming, folks, that David Hogg is not going to throw another hissy fit, since he quit his pillow company, right, folks? He is not going to throw another hissy fit and try to launch a rival social media platform to bankrupt Mike Lindell that way. You see that way by Malcolm X. I just... I didn't like the pillow company thing. It was just too much work. And I just had to, I had to be up before eight o'clock in the morning and I just want to sleep until 10. But social media platform, they're 24 seven. So I could totally do that and sleep. in. <laughs> give it up, David Hogg. Just give it up, you little douchebag. From Zero Hedge, move to zero. Nike begins to sell refurbished footwear. And folks, refurbished is just a fancy way to say used. So... You too can have your feet in shoes that other people walked in. Although now that I think about it, White Boy Malcolm X, and folks, before we get to the pull quotes, now that I think about it, if the used shoes were from a black person, right, you could say, I have walked a mile in their shoes. <laughs> so you, White Boy Malcolm X, you, you especially could benefit from this because not only are you fake black, but you could say that you have walked in the shoes of real black people and they could be capital B black people, so you know they're real. And here are those pull quotes. Nike's latest push towards environmental, social, and corporate governance, ESG, is to open a new segment within the company that will start refurbishing sneakers and resell them to consumers for cheaper prices. Basically, it's glorified refurbishment that will allow working poor Americans to afford the latest sneakers slightly used for up to 40% discount. Nike said that it would clean the gently worn, like new, or slightly imperfect sneakers by hand and make them presentable for resale. 
Do you think, White Boy Malcolm X, do you think they take all these used shoes and ship them back to China, right? Those slave labor camps that they used to make the Nike shoes in the first place. Do you think they send them back there so that the Uyghur slaves that make their Nike shoes, they can be out there polishing? <laughs> Those poor Uyghurs, right, folks? But to woke folks, to the woke corporations like Nike, Uyghur slave labor is perfectly fine, right? That is perfectly okay for Nike. Now, if you have a Voting Rights Act in Georgia where you actually have to show an ID to vote, that, folks, that is Jim Crow on steroids. <laughs> but it's perfectly okay to have slave labor in China making your shoes. And I'm just wondering if they're going to ship the used shoes back there to refurbish them, quote unquote, before they ship them back. For the shoes to qualify for the refurbishment program, the sneakers must be returned to stores within two months of purchase. Well, you folks at uh, Nike, have fun with that. Used shoes, White Boy Malcolm X. Great Caesar's Ghost. What will they think of next? From Boston.com, in a changing Boston, a new mayor challenges the police. And that new mayor, folks, her name is Kim Janey, I think is how you pronounce her last name. She is the acting mayor. I think she was the president of the city council. And when, what's his name? Mahdi Wash, when he stepped down to become the secretary of labor, no, he is not the Secretary of Transportation. That is Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> that pocket queen. And no, folks, we still do not know how short that pocket queen is. But when Marty Walsh stepped down, yes, Kim Janey took over as the acting mayor of the city of Boston. And here's the, here's the delicious poll quote from this story. A poll released Wednesday by WBUR and Mass Inc., a polling group, found that 46% of voters were still undecided, but it identified two front runners. City Councilor Michelle Wu with 19% support and Janie with 18%, who are both outspoken proponents of police reforms. In other words, folks, I will do a quick translation for that very long article. Boston is about to become the new New York. So we're going to have all sorts of fun here when they <coughs> reform the popo, right? There is going to be all sorts of mayhem and disorder and rioting and looting and a grand gay old time up and down uh, the city of Boston just like New York, and that is what police reform brings you, is that sort of crazy. But hey, it keeps the woke folk happy, and they are everywhere in this area. So you kids in Boston, you have fun with that. Speaking of New York, and this is from the New York Post, Fredo Kumo, police reform comes when white people's kids start getting killed. Uh-oh, let's find out what Fredo is talking about. Here are a couple pull quotes there. CNN anchor Fredo Kumo said gun laws and police reform will happen when white people's kids start getting killed. The host of Kumo Prime Live, who just last month claimed on air to be black on the inside. <laughs> Fredo, bless your heart, dear, claims to have the answer on gun and police reform. Shootings, gun laws, access to weapons. Oh, I know when they'll change, said the anchor. When your kids start getting killed, white people's kids start getting killed. And folks, I truly do feel bad for Fredo Kumo. I mean, not only is he the dopey brother of Andy Kumo, <laughs> he is the loser of that family by any reasonable measure. But yeah, he is, uh, I guess this is in reaction to his, uh, we had a news article on Wednesday's, last Wednesday's podcast, talking about how his ratings have gone down 45% since his brother's troubles have been going up, right? And so Nobody is watching his show. Poor Fredo. I mean, he's gone from like, I don't know, 50 viewers down to 30, <laughs> something like that. But yeah, his ratings are tanking. 
And I guess he thinks he can stop this nosedive in his ratings if he goes woke, right? So he is going woke, Fredo. He is talking about white people's kids getting killed. He is talking out there to the liberal whites, blaming white people for all this gun violence. Because if white people's kids were getting killed, then this would stop, right? So it's white people's fault because they're not doing a damn thing about this, right? And they're not going to do anything about it, apparently, according to Fredo, until their kid's getting shot. But as long as black kids or Latinx kids, because look, folks, I know that a normal person would say Latino, but we do have snooty white liberals in the audience. So I got to I gotta talk to them, right? Because if you say Latino, a snooty white liberal goes, what the heck is a Latino, man? I'm, I'm so confused. So that's why I say Latinx. And they're like, oh, oh, I know what a Latinx is, <laughs> right? So yes, as long as it's capital B black folks and Latinx folks out there getting shot. Those kids, white people don't do anything. So Fredo is blaming whitey for allowing this to continue because it's not their kids being affected. It's other people's kids. It's BIPOC kids getting it, not their kids. So Fredo, you enjoy going woke. It ain't going to help things. Bless your poor little heart, you loser. This is from Campus Reform. Professors argue that LGBTQ inclusive sex education should begin early before cis-normative values become more deeply ingrained. Of course, a college professor would argue that, but let's find out a little bit more about what's going on there. Here are a couple of pull quotes. Two researchers at Montclair State University claim that LGBTQ inclusive sex education should begin in elementary school. Eva Goldfarb and Lisa Lieberman of Montclair State University examined studies on sexual education ranging from grade school to 12th grade. They found that substantial evidence supports sex education beginning in elementary school that is scaffolded and of longer duration, as well as LGBTQ-inclusive education across the school curriculum and a social justice approach to healthy sexuality. (laughs) And folks, what do we say when the word justice is used? Somebody is getting screwed. And looks, folks, if they're talking about sex education, literally they will be getting screwed twice over. The researchers examined several studies that involve preschool classrooms. According to the researchers, one indicates that young children are, in fact, quite capable of understanding and discussing issues related to gender diversity, including gender expectations, gender nonconformity, and gender-based oppression. Of course they do. Of course they do. That's why we have so many four and five-year-olds going, Mommy, Mommy, I think I'm a little girl today. (laughs) That is why we have that, because this crap has already been in the school systems. And you wonder, folks, why the legislators in Tennessee and Arkansas, and we've reported on both of those here on this podcast, they have put into place laws that start to restrict this sort of thing, (laughs) where you're not allowed to teach this sort of crap to small children and start brainwashing them early, that all this stuff is normal. And hey, Timmy, I know you're five years old, but what are you? Oh, I'm a little boy. Are you really, Timmy? Could you be a little girl? Um, I I, I don't know. Timmy, are you sure? Could you be a little girl? Well, maybe I'm a little girl. Oh, okay, Timmy. Are you sure? Yeah, I I think I'm a little girl. Would you like some hormones? Oh, yeah, sure. I'll take some hormones. Okay, then. We'll take care of that with your parents. They're not going to object to that because if they do, we're going to call them transphobes and hate mongers and bigots. Oh, okay. So I'm a little girl. What's my name? Oh, whatever you want to be, Timmy. Oh, okay. And see that, folks? <laughs> that is what people don't want their kids to be exposed to. All that sort of crap. Like Eva and Lisa here are saying, we should start with the gay stuff first and the gender stuff first. And then maybe later down the road, 
we will teach cis-normative values later, right? So if we can't get them to think that they are little boys or little girls or vice versa, or that they, hey, little Timmy, what do you think of Susie? Oh, she's really cute. Are you sure? What about little Billy? Well, he's another boy. But don't you think Billy's cute, Timmy? No, not really. Are you sure? Well, okay, maybe, maybe Billy's cute. You see, that is what people don't want their kids being taught, right? They'll figure that out on their own when they're teenagers or they're in college, right? You don't need to teach a four and five and six-year-old about gender identity. Look, Timmy, look, Sally, look, Janie. You can have seven or eight different sexual identities. You can pick from this whole chart. You can pick all these funky pronouns. You can pick all these sexual orientations. So today, if you're feeling like you like someone of the same sex, that can make you bisexual. And the great thing about being bisexual kids is that you can do anyone when you want to do someone when you get a little older, right? Like your teacher. That's coming in high school, but just you wait on that. That's coming soon too. That is why people just, they're fed up with this crap in schools. And I don't blame them, folks, as a member. Now, I am self-loathing, right? I am America's most beloved self-loathing homosexual. But I am totally understanding of why people kind of look at the LGBTQ plus community and go, why the hell are you trying to brainwash my kids? I understand that because you have stories like this where it's like, yeah, this is what the core curriculum should be for four and five and six-year-old children who should not even be talking about sex at that age because they're not even going through puberty. They have no idea what sex is for the most part until you start introducing it to them. Like they don't have the rest of their lives to figure that crap out. Goodness. So you queens out there and all you other activists who want to brainwash other people's kids and you're getting butthurt because like the states of Tennessee and Arkansas are saying, no, enough. We're not putting up with this crap. Keep out of our classrooms with this garbage. You folks do yourself no favors <laughs> in winning over allies and winning over support when you pull this crap trying to brainwash people's kids. I tell you what, what Malcolm X, if I had a kid, if I had like a five or six year old running around and they were brainwashing my kid to think all sorts of stuff like that, I'd be the first person in that school. Those educators was like, Mr. Frost, I'm very surprised that you don't want little Timmy being taught this kind of stuff. And I'd be like, no, actually, I don't want Timmy being taught this stuff. He can figure that out later. There's plenty of time for that. Well, are you self-loathing? Yes, I read my emails. <laughs> You think I haven't been called that before, you stupid queen? Stop brainwashing my kid. Oh, Lord. Speaking of gay, why do we put these stories in my news quick hits, White Boy Malcolm X? This stuff, folks, I'm just going to warn you. You may not want to hear about, uh, I don't know, this is like a gay, the gay gossip rags or something. These next two stories, you may want to skip ahead about 10, 15 minutes, but nah, stay. It's going to be fun. We'll have fun laughing at these silly queens. Here's the first headline. This is a This is a primer for you, folks. This is from MRC Newsbusters. Bachelor Colton Underwood comes out as gay. Netflix rewards him with show. So I guess one of these bachelors that they try to get to hook up with some woman or marry some woman. I don't know, folks. I don't watch these stupid shows. I guess he has decided that he is a queen after after that experience. He's like, oh, I have looked at so many women and so many hoo-hoos that I just, I'm just going to go gay, right? So... Poor Colton Underwood is coming out as a big old queen. (laughs) Like, we didn't know that. White Boy Malcolm X, look at this picture of Colton Underwood. What do you see? Gay face, thank you. (laughs) Gay face, folks. If you did not know that Colton Underwood was a big old queen, you could have figured it out by his wicked, wicked case of gay face. 
But let's find out more about Colton Underwood coming on out of that closet. And Colton, before we begin, welcome to the tribe, dear. I guess if we have the Tiger Queen, we can also have a former bachelor, Colton Underwood. Queerness is so in vogue at the moment. So trendy and cool, now a former bachelor is cashing in and coming out. Wednesday on ABC's Good Morning America, former bachelor Colton Underwood did just that. Of course, the public will be dying to know every ounce of detail regarding his incredible story of self-realization. Fortunately for the culture, Netflix will be providing just what the world so desperately needs, a new reality series starring Underwood, the latest gay man. Underwood sent shockwaves when he came out as gay to Roberts, who's a lesbian. No kidding with that haircut. I've ran for myself for a long time. I hated myself for a long time, and I'm gay. I can't... White Boy Malcolm X, before I continue further, did you hate yourself when you were in the closet back when you were a young gaby? Were you hating yourself? Were you self-loathing back in the day? See, neither was I. I mean... I knew I was gay. I wasn't out of the closet, but it wasn't this self-loathing thing like, oh, I hate myself because I'm gay and I just can't admit it to myself and to others. I don't understand that. I guess I just can't wrap my head around that. I mean, he is not the only closeted queen to come out and declare how much they hate themselves when they were closeted as a gay person. But yeah, I just I just can't relate to that, folks. I just I cannot wrap my head around hating myself for being gay and in the closet. I came to terms with that earlier this year and have been processing it and the next step in all of this was sort of letting people know. Still nervous, but yeah, it's been a journey for sure. Famously known as the Virgin Bachelor. (laughs) Maybe with a woman. Man, he was a virgin white boy, Malcolm X. Colton Underwood was a gold star queen, I guess. And folks, if you don't know what a gold star queen is, it is a queen We don't call them that. We call them something else. But I will be polite. Gold star queen is what we will call him. But yeah, that is a gay who has never been with a woman. But yeah, he was a gold star queen. Now, I bet I bet he is all over the boys these days. He's like, oh, I just love being gay and out and about. I get all the men. (laughs) But yeah, he was a virgin when he was with The Bachelor. The Catholic NFL player announced that a new Netflix series already in production will document his coming out in life as a gay man. (laughs) I don't even want to see this train wreck. And feature Olympian Gus Kentworthy, a freestyle skier who came out in 2015 and is now Underwood's gay sidekick. White Boy Malcolm X, what do you think of Gus Kenworthy? Yeah, the guy with the teeth. Yes, the worst veneers on God's green earth. Don't be a catty queen over there, White Boy Malcolm X. What do you think of him? Not bad. Yeah, I would say not bad. I mean, he's a, not a bad-looking guy. Yeah, like I said, the uh, the teeth are a bit much. Gus, you need to get those things toned down the next time. But bless his heart, though, White Boy Malcolm X. The poor kid came out in 2015, and it has been, no pun intended, and especially since he is a freestyle skier, it has been all downhill since. Six years since he came out and he was celebrated for coming out as a gay Olympian. He is now winding up as some gay sidekick. (laughs) I wonder if he sachets and goes, right? And he just snaps his fingers and is like, oh, girlfriend, I am your gay sidekick, right? Colton Underwood's gay sidekick. Man, you want to talk about hitting the bottom of the barrel. Bless your heart, Gus, to go from Olympic freestyle scare to gay sidekick. 
Oh my God, that is what he has been reduced to, folks. Yes. So these two clowns, <laughs> a new gay and this old gay, <laughs> Gus Kentworthy, they are going around, I bet Los Angeles. <laughs> God knows where they're filming this piece of crap. Yeah, and that is going to be a train wreck and a dumpster fire all rolled into one. But no, I'm not going to watch that. No, I will not report on that any further. Okay, take that back. I do have one story. This, folks, it is a back-to-back Gus Kentworthy bonanza of stories. This one is from Queerty. Fans are turning on Gus Kentworthy, and it's all thanks to Colton Underwood. So poor Gus Kentworthy. He has gone from Olympic freestyle skier. He has gone from all that all the way down to gay sidekick for some third-rate new queen out of the closet. (laughs) With a reality show, that is his job, is to run around with Colton Underwood as Colton flirts it up with the boys and dabbles, (laughs) dabbles with the fresh meat down in wherever the hell they're filming this dumpster fire. Yes, now he is getting trashed for doing that. So let's find out what has got all the queens upset with Gus being a gay sidekick. Ever since he first came out in 2015, Gus Kenworthy hasn't had a single negative headline ever written about him. The guy has somehow managed to avoid any major scandals and remain a beloved figure in the LGBTQ community, as well as an awesome role model. And folks, if you want to sum up what's wrong with the gay community today, among many, 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 many things, Gus Kentworthy, who is only known, folks, as a former Olympian, and now he is known as a third-rate sidekick to a D-list celebrity, He is a beloved figure and awesome role model in the gay community. (laughs) Bless your hearts if you think so. But it looks like that might soon be changing thanks to Colton Underwood. Now, a Change.org petition calling on Netflix to cancel the series has garnered 10,000 signatures and counting. And this, folks, is what the Change.org petition says about canceling this program. Colton is a former Bachelor lead who stalked his final pick, Cassie Randolph. He placed a tracker on her car, sent her and her friends anonymous threatening texts, and was even seen standing outside her window extremely late at night, resulting in her brother attempting to de-escalate the situation. Cassie is a victim of Colton's abuse, and he does not deserve a platform in any way. Regardless of his sexuality, Colton should not be given a platform as a result of his abusive, manipulative, and dangerous behavior. You people, and yes, I know that that phrase is triggering to leftists, you people who looked at that change.org petition and said, yeah, that's something I want to put my name to, you people need to get a life. God. (laughs) Folks, now I don't know anything about this stalking business. Now, I do not watch The Bachelor, never have, never will. I don't care if there are any other closet cases on Not my thing, but if you folks watch reality shows, if this is something, this is the hill you want to die on, God. I mean, what's he really going to do to her, right? He's gay. It's not like he's going to assault her, right? He might give her really bad fashion advice just to be a bitchy queen, but I mean, how dangerous was he to this woman? So I don't know about the stalking business, but let's face it. And you folks out there, you need to understand something. This queen needs a paycheck. And right now, Netflix is his paycheck, right? Because... After this, folks, it is over for him. He's going to go from this, his Netflix series, which will probably last a season. I doubt two, but you never know. Maybe a second season, but this is it for Colton Underwood. After this, it is selling used cars in, I don't know, some backwater 
podunk town somewhere. <laughs> that is it. This is the highlight of his life. This is his 15 minutes as a D-rate gay celebrity. This queen needs this paycheck. So just let him do it. It's not like he's going to stalk her anymore. It's not like he meant her any harm anyway. <laughs> I can't imagine what a queen would do to stalk a woman in the first place. That just seems odd to me that he was stalking her. But whatever, it's over with. Maybe to see the brother, White Boy Malcolm X. Maybe he was tracking her to find out where her hot brother was. He was probably like, I'll go with Cassie because that brother of hers, mm, now that's the one I want to tap. I don't really care about her. But in any case, folks, this queen needs a paycheck. Just let it ride. He will be gone and faded from your memories, from history, soon enough. What a hot mess, White Boy Malcolm X. I tell you what, though, we might have to watch at least the first episode. I want to see what Gus Kentworthy, <laughs> I want to see him as the sassy gay sidekick. He'd be like, oh, girlfriend, we should go into this bar because you are just so hot and those boys in there will just eat you up and we want to get you laid. Or White Boy Malcolm X or Gus Kentworthy will be the sassy gay sidekick who judges him on his clothing. He'd be like, Colton, I so want to take you out, sister girlfriend. I want to take you out to that bar and have you hook up with some hot guys. But you and your straight clothes, we got to change your outfit, girlfriend. White Boy Malcolm X, I definitely want to see what Gus Kentworthy's sassy gay sidekick catchphrase is. Let's go hit those slopes. <laughs> Something stupid like that. Gus. Bless your heart. Bless your heart, dear. And no, White Boy Malcolm X, I will not call you my gay sidekick. <laughs> Technically, you are. You are the gay sidekick, but you, sir, and I mean this as a compliment, you, sir, are no Gus Kentworthy. Okay, now that our news quick hits are over, and see, folks, I told you, we had a lot of news quick hits. Let's go ahead and jump into our news pile, and God, more gay. But I guess that's right. We do start with gay at the front and smoking gun at the back. So one more gay story, folks. I think this is it. I think after this, it's race and teacher bait and smoking gun. So let's go ahead and just get this out of the way. This is from Pink News. Kate Winslet knows at least four gay Hollywood actors afraid of coming out. And if Kate only knows four, that woman must be a recluse. <laughs> Because I worked, folks, I worked in film production in Los Angeles for about four years. And I tell you what, four, <laughs> that is, uh, yeah, you cannot swing a dead cat in Hollywood without hitting a closet case queen. <laughs> so, Kate, you need to get out more. Kate Winslet has said she knows at least four gay Hollywood actors who are terrified that coming out will ruin their careers. <gasps> oh, no. I cannot tell you the number of young actors I know some well-known, some starting out, who are terrified their sexuality will be revealed and that it will stand in the way of their being cast in straight roles, she said. I would think, folks, and uh, no disrespect to Kate Winslet, we love you here on The Miller Frost Show, Kate. I think you are a fabulous actress, so I don't mean to disagree with you, but look, folks, we have had I don't know how many stories about how only people who are like the character should play the character, right? Because now we have had examples, right, of actors who have been playing gay for pay, right? Like Timothée Chalamet and that creeper Army Hammer, right? There is some... Yes, Wipe Malcolm X, I just use their names. Use them as an example just to tweak you. But yeah, we do have examples, folks, of actors playing gay for pay, right? But a lot of times... If you have a lesbian character, you should have a lesbian playing the part, right? If you have a transgender character, 
Everyone knows you better damn well have a transgender in the role because if you have anyone but a transgender, they are going to get really, really butthurt and they are going to throw a hissy fit like you have not seen. So if you've got a closeted gay actor playing a straight man, that is technically cultural appropriation. (laughs) They are playing a role that is not really for them. They should find a straight actor to play a straight character. Because I tell you what, even with the gay for pay stuff, even that's going away, right? If you've got a gay role, you should have a gay actor playing that gay role. So I would say, yeah, if they are going to come out and they're going to be gay, they should only have access to gay roles. That is the woke thing to do. That is what woke Miller says they should do. So Kate, it should absolutely stand in their way. The actress says she knows of an actor who was recently told by an American agent to keep their sexuality a secret. The agent said, I understand you are bisexual. (laughs) What do we say about bisexuals on the Miller Frost show, folks? They will do anyone, right? That is the lowest bar in the sexual identity pecking order. It's the laziest one as well. It's like, oh, I guess I'll just do anyone, right? That is the that is being a bisexual. So this guy out there who will do chicks, he will do guys, right? He'll do anyone. Yeah, he is being advised, I guess, not to come out. I wouldn't publicize that, Winslet said. Yeah, I wouldn't publicize that either. <laughs> like I said, that is a low bar to hit. I can think of at least four actors absolutely hiding their sexuality. It's painful because they fear being found out. The Titanic star went on to lambast the film industry as being rife with, uh uh-oh, folks, judgment. No, not judgment. Discrimination and (gasps) homophobia. Oh, no. Man, those three, judgment, discrimination, and homophobia. Yes, folks, in the liberal bastion of tolerance, diversity, and wokeness, we have judgment, discrimination, and homophobia. That is just... That is so sad. I feel bad for all those folks out there being forced to work in such an oppressive environment. Although we have talked about that, I guess once or twice here on this podcast, and what I said at the time and what I will say now today, folks, it is all about the money to these people. It's not about trying to oppress these actors, right? It's about making money, right? That's all it's about for these folks. They're going to spend, I don't know, 25, 50, 100, $150 million on a film. They want to be able to recoup that investment plus lots and lots of extra money, right? And so you've got to have bankable stars, right? And so there are stars out there who are bankable for certain reasons, like say sex appeal and uh, being a ladies man, right? So if you're going to have like a role like say James Bond, I'm not going to pick on Daniel Craig. I don't know if he's gay or not. Now that though, white boy Malcolm X, <laughs> that would be a positive addition to the tribe, not Colton Underwood, that weirdo from The Bachelor, right? Guy goes on a show about dating and marrying a woman. And he's a big old queen in the closet. But yeah, you have like James Bond. Now you can't have a gay guy playing James Bond when he's like running around a Lafario, hitting up and screwing women left and right. Although I guess they don't do that with James Bond these days because they have totally gone woke. <laughs> but yeah, you're not going to be able to sell that as a a movie, right? Because people want to go see James Bond, shoot the bad guys, play with all the neat little gadgets, and bang all the women, right? And so if you've got this big old queen on screen banging all those women, they're like, ah, kind of kills the fantasy for me, right? So it all just boils down to money with these people. And if you've got an actor who comes out and their bankability as a star diminishes with that, 
For whatever reason, if you want to run around and scream at the people across the world for being homophobic, they refuse to see a gay guy play James Bond. It is what it is, folks. That is the reality of the day. Hollywood recognizes that as the reality. It doesn't matter. You can be as woke as you want to be, but do you want to spend $200 million on a James Bond film that makes maybe $30 million back on its return? And yeah, it makes all the queens in Hollywood happy, right? Oh, look at that James Bond. He is as gay as can be. We don't care he's making out with those women because he is shirtless in that scene. And he is a big old queen. He will be partying with the rest of us in West Hollywood when this movie tour is over, right? It makes all those folks happy, but it's not bankable to the rest of the world. So yeah, it just comes down to money at the end of the day. So I don't know what she's butthurt about. And these kids, you know, they have made a conscious decision that they want their careers more than they want to be out and about. And that is their decision to make. I I don't live like that, right? I have been out since I was 21 years of age and I don't hide it. I don't go around announcing it like, hi, I am Miller Frost. I'm a big old queen. <laughs> After this podcast, people know, but yeah. Um, they have made that decision. That is their right. That is their choice. And they understand it, right? They understand that their bankability as a star, their ability to make money and be famous as a star is going to be greatly diminished if they do this. So they're going to stay in the closet. And hey, sucks to be them. I, but they have made a conscious choice that money and fame is more important to them than being out and being who they are. I wonder though, White Boy Malcolm X, and not to get too serious on this podcast, but I wonder if that was what Colton Underwood was talking about with the self-loathing, right? I wonder if he was self-loathing because he knew he was gay, but he had all these other priorities over being out and proud, right? I would rather be out and proud and make less money than I would be if I were like in the closet, right? This podcast, who knows where it could go if everyone thought I was some macho straight guy. Not that I could pull that off. Right. But just in case, say on this weird chance, I could actually pull that off. I might have more listenership if I were in the closet and pretended to be a right wing conservative straight guy. Right. That might get me more viewers. Maybe that's what he is talking about with the self-loathing, because I probably would not like myself as much if I were faking being a straight guy on this podcast. Going, Yeah, I'm a heterosexual and I love looking at those chicks and they're sexy, blah, blah, blah. Right. I might hate myself, too, if I were pretending to be something I wasn't. But I've never lived my life like that. And I don't think you have either. That's what I thought. But yeah, I guess these people who make their priority money, fame, power, whatever, over their sexuality or what have you, whatever the other thing is, I guess, yeah, I can guess I can see why they would be a little bit self-loathing. I just think that's a shame, though. I can't imagine. I literally, folks, I cannot imagine living my life like that. I mean, I was in the closet for for a couple years, but I didn't hate myself because of that. I just was like, it's going to happen at some point. And I knew I was not going to live my entire life in the closet, right? That's why I kind of moved down to Atlanta. I moved into a big city and uh, you could be as gay as you wanted to be in Atlanta back in the day. You still can, right? But uh, even though Midtown is overrun with gentrifiers and all the other folks, <laughs> all the queens were in there and then they woke up one day and it's like, who are all these straight people? <laughs> they took over Midtown from the last time I was there. But yeah. If you are living your life like that, you know, life is too short. You do not want to wake up one day and go, man, I wish I had been out and about and lived my true self and not hidden it for superficial things like fame and money. Because at the end of the day, all that stuff, as Colton Underwood and Gus Kentworthy are about to find out, all that stuff is easily vanished overnight. From Campus Reform. Anti-racist journey prompts UNR lecturer to apologize for teaching jingle bells, Baba Black Sheep. So yes, folks, another nut job on a college campus, but 
But I have to say, this one, folks, normally I would say, here we go again with another hysterical white liberal going nuts on a college campus, right? We don't have enough of those. We have story after story after story on this podcast about crazy white liberals throwing other white people under the bus. But not this time, folks. The BIPOC folks are finally looking back on, man, why do all the white liberals have fun trashing whitey? And we've talked about that on this podcast about how butthurt the BIPOC folk get sometimes because white people are so busy trashing themselves, trashing other white folks, that it takes away the fun of BIPOC folks screaming about racism and how white people suck, right? And so now, though, folks, now the BIPOC folks are like, okay, I am done. I have had it with whitey enjoying all the fun about trashing other white people. I am getting in on this. So this story, folks, is about a BIPOC professor trashing whitey, not another white person trashing whitey. But don't worry, I'm sure we'll have one of those on Wednesday's podcast. After discovering the tenets of what is referred to as anti-racism, one University of Nevada, Reno, Professor God, Reno, Nevada, Great Caesar's Ghost, will stop teaching songs like Jingle Bells and Ba Ba Black Sheep. Kate Pollard, a senior music lecturer at the University of Nevada, Reno, wrote about her anti-racist journey in music education for Nevada Today, the school's news outlet. Referring to her first days as a middle school teacher in the late 1990s, Pollard wrote that I don't think that I even knew what these songs were about, and I am fairly certain that none of my middle school students asked about their historical context. However, when she learned what authenticity and appropriateness meant in the mid-2000s, she began to dive into culturally relevant pedagogy. Between that time period and the present day, Pollard has had many conversations and... (laughs) That's all we do these days is have many conversations, many, many conversations about race and read a lot of literature on anti-racist curriculums and appropriation. She realized that many of the songs I taught as a middle school educator and even as a college educator are not appropriate and even potentially harmful to certain peoples. Pollard told Campus Reform that Jingle Bells is problematic because, yes, folks, Jingle Bells, <laughs> Jingle All the Way, is problematic because she read that slave owners used to put bells on slaves to keep track of them, which the Jingle Bells are referencing. Out of all the songs I mentioned in my article, Jingle Bells is probably the most divisive, she explained. Maybe it's a ubiquitous familiarity. Maybe it's associated with Christmas. Either way, many teachers don't want to remove it. She will also refrain from teaching songs like Oh Susanna and America, which also go by the name My Country Tis of Thee. The song is a different issue in which it is sung from the white colonializer perspective, Pollard told Campus Reform. Most Native Americans who know the song find it hurtful as it erases their stories entirely. So another one taking the language from the transgender activists of erasing them. Some educators defend the use of these songs, stating that they have historical value, admitted Pollard. I don't feel the need to preserve the music. No, of course not. Let us wipe it from all of history. I would rather promote songs that are inclusive than promote songs that, although may have been popular, also marginalize and degrade a population. Also, I don't feel the need to use these songs as a vehicle to address racism. I don't want my students of color to bear the burden of explaining why these songs are racist potentially requiring them to defend themselves in class, she added. In fact, some may argue that having these kinds of conversations in class is centering a white perspective, making the assumption that there is no harm or trauma in opening academic conversations about these songs. 
I apologize to my students to whom I taught these songs and even more. I apologize to those who quietly knew these things about the songs I taught but never felt comfortable speaking up, she concluded. I can do better. I will continue to do better. And I don't know about you folks, but I cannot imagine going through life like this with race being your primary filter. It was like a story we had a couple weeks ago, folks, and it had to do with a high school in Oregon of all godforsaken places, and they were replacing their mascot, and they wanted to use a tree as a mascot, right? The most benign object ever, right, as a mascot. And what did one of the BIPOC folks say, one of the woke folk in Oregon say? No, you can't have a tree. Why? Because it's triggering to the BIPOC folk, right? Because when black people look at trees, all they think about is lynching, right? <laughs> so you can't have a tree because you're going to trigger all the BIPOC folks. They're going to look at the mascot and go, oh, all I see is a noose and a hanging black man on that tree. And I made a joke at the time about using a butterfly as a mascot, but you can't do that either because you know the BIPOC folks out there are going to say, no, you can't use a butterfly. Why? Because you have to look at the word butterfly, right? Butter was made by slaves back in the day in the antebellum South, right? They churn the butter for master in the family, right? And then flies, what do flies do, right? They go collect on the bodies of the black folks that are hanging from the trees that she wants to chop down or whatever to replace whatever they were trying to get rid of in the first place. So yeah, this is the filter that these folks look at. Every single thing is about race, 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 race. And you're looking at these stupid songs and none of these kids that were being taught this by this woman, Miss Pollard there, none of these kids were thinking about race back then, about how, you know, Jingle Bells is triggering the BIPOC folks. I guarantee to you, 98% of BIPOC folk don't know that Jingle Bells is supposed to be triggering for them unless they're told, yeah, it has to do with putting bells on slaves now. What? What? Jingle Bells is a racist song? Yes. So, <laughs> and this comes from folks who just look at every single thing in life through a racial filter. You BIPOC folk out there who look at everything through race, you need to get a new hobby. <laughs> get a life. You're as bad as those folks going on change.org to get Colton Underwood thrown off of Netflix. God. Everything's about race. God, no wonder you're so freaking angry. And we actually had a story that included a survey that showed that people exposed to critical race theory were more negative and felt more offended and were more triggered by perceived slights of, of racism than people who did not read anything that had to do with uh, critical race theory. So you wonder why everyone is so butthurt all the time about anything approaching race. It's because they read all this stuff from Ibram X. Kendi and all the other woke folk that trash talk white people and white people are out to oppress and white people suck and white people are horrible. And so you get people all worked up about this and you wonder why race relations in this country suck when you've got a bunch of people who run around for their own self-aggrandizement and for their own personal enrichment, selling other black folks and other minorities on how whitey is out to get them. Nice job, folks. I hope you enjoy all your homes, Patrice and all the other woke folk out there getting rich, mega rich, making huge bank off of this crap. Okay, let's go ahead and do our first teacher bait story. This one is from the Daily Mail, and how's this headline? Middle school teacher arrested in February for having sex with 15-year-old student in her Florida classroom is arrested again for sleeping with a minor in another county. So yes, folks, this teacher, she was eyeing up that fresh teacher bait going, man, I gotta get me that fresh teacher bait, right? 
And so she is arrested for having that first teacher bait, and she gets out. And guess what, folks? She couldn't help herself. <laughs> These teachers out there are too freaking horny, folks. This one is like, man, I know I'm out on bail, but I'm not, 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 not. I gotta get me some more fresh teacher bait. <laughs> so let's find out more about what's going on here. A middle school teacher in Florida already facing charges for having a sexual relationship with a 15-year-old student is now facing additional charges because of a similar incident in another Florida county. Haley Close Hallmark, and yes folks, Close Hallmark is hyphenated, 35, was issued an arrest warrant by the Osceola County Sheriff's Office on April 2nd and was arrested on April 13th over claims she had a sexual encounter with the minor during a school dance competition. Close Hallmark, a history teacher and coach at Ruckel Middle School in Niceville, Florida. Well, I don't know how Niceville is, folks, but it ain't nice when you're banging other people's kids, was previously arrested in Okaloosa County in March for lewd and lascivious battery against a child aged between 12 and 16 and sexual assault on a minor. Close Hallmark allegedly had numerous sexual encounters with her victim when she was helping Close Hallmark coach, get this folks, the school's girls' soccer team. So yes, folks, this high school teacher eyeing up that fresh teacher bait. She is eyeing up girl teacher bait. She's like, nom, 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 nom. I want that girl teacher bait. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> anyway, coach the school girls' soccer team. The victim was in the ninth grade at the time. They allegedly texted one another during the 2017-2018 school year, which evolved into sexting one another. So white boy Malcolm X, we have a lesbian teacher eyeing up lesbian teacher, <laughs> of course, on a soccer team. When the victim moved to the high school in August 2018, the relationship allegedly became physical. Sexual encounters allegedly occurred in Close Hallmark's classroom, as well as the homes of both Close Hallmark and the victim. So yes, folks, another teacher tapping that fresh teacher bait and doing it in the parent's home. Adding insult to injury, not only is their kid being banged by a teacher, they're doing it in their household. The relationship allegedly continued for two years, and no folks, nothing is being said in this article about a U-Haul being involved before coming to an end in August 2020 when the victim was 17 years old. The Associated Press reported in February that the victim told a high school teacher about the relationship. So yes folks, it's not just the teenage boys that tattletale, <laughs> the teenage girls do as well which the teacher proceeded to report to a school resource officer. The newest charges stem from an alleged sexual encounter while attending a school dance competition involving a team coached by Close Hallmark in Osaloosa County. It's not clear when the team dance event took place, but the time frame of the incidents that spawned the charges in both Okaloosa County and Osceola County matched up, according to the prosecutor. The new charges include soliciting or engaging in lewd conduct with a student from a position of authority, lewd and lascivious battery against a child aged between 12 and 16, and sexual assault on a minor. WEAR-TV reports that Close Hallmark is being held without bond in the Okaloosa County Jail. <laughs> so those folks over in Okaloosa, they said, you know what? This teacher, you let her out on one. <laughs> she goes and does another. They are not going to fall for that a third time. So they're like, Let's keep this horny teacher preying on little lesbians out there. Let's keep her ass locked in jail. She can have all the adult lesbians she wants, but we are not going to allow her to do that to another student. God, white boy Malcolm X, that, that is our first lesbian girl-on-girl -girl action out there for teacher bait stories. So 
And she's a predator from hell. Not once, folks, but yeah, she was going at it while she's still in trouble for the first one. That's how horny and desiring of that <laughs> desiring of that fresh teacher bait she was. This is from the post-millennial Oregon journalism student charged over Antifa arson attack. The journalism part, folks, you know, that doesn't surprise me in the least. What is shocking about that headline is that they are actually charging someone with an Antifa arson attack in the state of Oregon. I didn't think they charged anyone with anything, but let's find out more about what's going on with this one. An Antifa member in Portland who was charged with felony arson and riot crime. So folks, they are not just charging this person with a random misdemeanor, felony arson and riot crimes. Holy crap, has been revealed to be a journalism student at the University of Oregon. Alma Yesena Raven Guido. And yes, folks, Raven Guido is hyphenated. <laughs> And what do we say about hyphenated chicks on a college campus? They are complete nutjobs, 19 years old. This little chick is a teenager of Beaverton, Oregon, has been charged by the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office with two counts of felony rioting, second-degree felony arson, and first-degree felony criminal mischief. And who knew, white boy Malcolm X, that the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office was open for business? And not only is it open for business, but they have been busy charging this hysterical teenage chick with two counts of felony rioting, second-degree felony arson, and first-degree felony criminal mischief. Alma, you are probably looking at about two days in jail. A serial riot arrestee, she was arrested again Tuesday night at a Black Lives Matter Antifa riot in northern Portland, where the police union hall was set on fire. Some members of the group communicated by radio, used shields, threw projectiles at police, which, let's face it, folks, I don't think anyone at the Multnomah County District Attorney's Office will bat an eye over that part and wore black clothing to obscure their identity, said the District Attorney's Office in a press release announcing the charges. Some affiliated with the group launched multiple large fireworks towards aircrafts that were flying overhead. According to the criminal complaint, Raven Guido was identified as one of the arsonists by an informant. So yes, folks, there was a tattletale out there tattling on Raven Guido as being part of this whole thing. The Portland Police Association building was severely damaged in the fire. It has been the target of dozens of attacks, including arson since last year. And if you folks are out there going, you know, Miller, about this time, this is where you would start in with your whole shtick about hysterical white women being the stormtroopers of the Antifa movement. Yes, generally speaking, it is hysterical white women as the front line, the stormtroopers in the Antifa movement, right? But unfortunately, folks, Alma Yesenia Raven Guido, 19, not only is she not a hysterical millennial, she is a hysterical Gen Z chick, right? But she is a BIPOC folk, randomly enough, right? So Kate Pollard, from our story a few stories back, she was getting in on the action of bashing whitey, right? So she was culturally appropriating what white people normally do on college campuses, right? Trash other white people. She was culturally appropriating that so she could get in on trashing whitey and their racist songs. This BIPOC chick, right, she is now getting in on Whitey's action as well. So normally you would have a hysterical Gen Z or a hysterical millennial chick out there rioting, but she's like, I am not going to let Whitey have all the fun rioting and looting and having a grand gay old time. I want in on this action too. And Alma, folks, Alma has gone and tripled down on that. She wants to be on the front, front lines of all this partying. She is going big, right? I always say, go big or go home. And Alma's like, yeah, I'll do that on steroids. But unfortunately for Alma, 
she's got a tattletale, <laughs> and now she's in some trouble. And if you folks think this is her first time at the rodeo, you are wrong. <laughs> in addition to facing felony charges related to the riot earlier this week, she has also been charged for her alleged criminal involvement in a separate Antifa riot last year. She's accused of being part of an Antifa mob who came armed with riot gear to attack Portland City Hall on August 25, 2020. At that riot, Antifa breached City Hall, smashed windows, and tried to set the building on fire. Raven Guido was arrested and charged with multiple misdemeanors at the time, but her case was later dropped, of course. And can you imagine, folks, being someone who <laughs> rioted at the Capitol and you're facing huge felonies and the rest of your life in jail, right? These folks breach City Hall in Portland. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's a misdemeanor, and we're not even going to bother with that. Beyond her involvement in militant Antifa activities in the Portland area, because, folks, she is not busy enough, she has also been prominently featured in government diversity programs. In 2019, she was part of the Beaverton Organizing and Leadership Development Program, which exists to train emerging leaders of color in Beaverton city government. She listed racial justice as one of her areas of interest in the program survey. I guess rioting and looting and having a grand gay old time was not part, was not a box she could check. Raven Guido was released without bail on supervised pretrial release on Wednesday. I'm assuming that means they had to call mommy and daddy up to bail her ass out of jail and come take her home and put her in the basement next to her brother who's busy playing video games and defiling himself. Her indictment is scheduled for June 10th. So there you go, folks. A new member of the journalism community. <laughs> she can go right to NBC and start researching and hunting down those those crafty, devious white supremacists lurking in the shadows, hiding out there. We can't find them anywhere, but we know they're there causing trouble, right? You can send this dope Alma Yesenia Raven Guido to go find the white supremacists because she is going to be a fantastic journalist, folks. Absolutely one of the best. And let's face it, she will not see the inside of a jail ever again. We are down to two stories, white boy Malcolm X. Yes, and we are saving the best for last. We have a teacher break story, and then we have a smoking gun story, and then we are out of here. So, this one is from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Springtown math teacher in love with student had sex with teen boys, authorities say. And folks, what do we know about teachers <laughs> eyeing up and having that teacher bait in Texas? They are going to do hard time. <laughs> so this chick... Banging her students. And I warn you, teachers, what do I always say? You never get a boy. And now I guess I have to say with the last teacher based story, you never get a boy or a girl to do a man or a woman's job, right? Now I have to deal with the lesbians out there banging their students. But yeah, you never get a kid to do an adult's job. But in Texas, right, we know that you are going to jail for about 15 to 20 years if they convict you for this. So this lady, she was in love with the student. And what does she get for being in love? With that teacher bait, eyeing that up and uh, tapping that thing, she's going to be spending a lot of time in jail. <laughs> Bless her heart. Especially, folks, when we found out on last Wednesday's podcast, incest in the state of New York, if you do your own kid in the state of New York, that is punishable by up to four years in jail. <laughs> but you do someone else's kid in the state of Texas, you're going to jail for 20 years. You want to talk about crazy? <laughs> but let's find out more about this. 
A teacher who authorities alleged had a years-long sexual contact with a student in Parker County was arrested on Friday. So she was banging this kid for a couple of years going, mm, I love that teacher baby. Mm, I got to get me more of that, more and more and more. And she did it for years and years and years. Misty Cato, 43. So yes, folks, her name is Misty of Springtown, is a fifth grade math teacher at Springtown Intermediate School. Cato was contracted as a math teacher with the Springtown Independent School District at the time the crime in which she is accused, second-degree improper relationship between educator and student, occurred. So, white boy Malcolm X, you can bang that student. You can take it all the way, right? That kid's not getting to first or second base. That kid is doing a home run over and over and over again, right? That is only, folks, that is only second-degree improper relationship. I would hate to see, folks. I don't even want to know what a first-degree improper relationship is like in the state of Texas. The victim, who was enrolled in the Azle School District at the time of the crime, reported that the abuse began when he was a 15-year-old student in Azle, the sheriff's office said. It continued for several years at addresses in Parker and Tarrant counties, no doubt once more again in the parents' house, including at Cato's previous residence in Springtown. The sheriff's office says that it seized a voice recording of Cato saying that she had been in love with the student for four years and seeing him again makes her want to be with him again. So another one, folks, another one who once or however many times they did it the first time, that wasn't enough. She sees him and is like, man, I want to relive that one. <laughs> you had the lesbian going, man, that was so good. I'm going to go get me another one. But this one's like, I'll just do the same one again if I can tap that again. Cato said in an interview with investigators that she had sexual relations with the victim on numerous occasions and knew that he was a juvenile student, the sheriff's office said. It is a shame any time we have to investigate these types of cases, Parker County Sheriff Russ Othier wrote in a statement. It is imperative that our children attend school in a safe environment. Educators play a vital role in that safe environment and have a duty to protect our children. From their virginity, perhaps, but <laughs> I don't know what else they're protecting them from. And Russ, if you are out there listening to this podcast, look, in today's society, we assume that every white person out there is a vile racist waiting to oppress the BIPOC folk, right? So if we can do that as a society... I don't think it's that difficult if you look at every teacher out there, at least every high school teacher out there, as a potential predator out there to eye up that fresh teacher bait. Mm, I want that fresh teacher bait. And assume, you got to assume, Russ, that they are going to want to tap that. So if we can spend all this time focusing on Whitey and what a racist pig he or she is, I think you can take a little bit of time off your calendar. <laughs> And look at all the high school teachers, right? Because I bet there's more chance of a high school teacher banging a high school student than there is of the average white folk out there oppressing the BIPOC folks. So you need to set some different priorities. Cato was held on Saturday at the Parker County Jail. Her bond was set at $100,000. So again, folks, don't mess with teacher bait in Texas because they are going to keep your ass locked up. $100,000 bond. And man, when they sentence her... Boom, she is spending decades behind bars. And I have warned you, teachers, six ways to Sundays to not do this stuff, but what do you keep doing? You keep tapping that fresh teacher bait, so at this point, you get what you deserve. Okay, time for our last story, a smoking gun story, and how is this headline, folks? Man burglarized woman's home, stole her sex toys, police report. Uh-oh. 
Let's find out what this guy wanted. Who burglarizes a home and steals the residents' used sex toys? That distinction, Pennsylvania cops say, goes to Michael Holden, 37, who is facing multiple charges in connection with a break-in last Tuesday in Tyrone, a borough 90 miles east of Pittsburgh. Investigators allege that Holden entered the 35-year-old victim's home after she had fallen asleep on her couch. Holden, cops charge, stole $700 in cash, various bank cards, and the woman's sex toys, which were valued at $160. (laughs) That woman had a lot of sex toys, according to a probable cause affidavit. A neighbor who had seen the man entering the woman's home described the intruder, leading the victim to conclude that it was Holden, an acquaintance of hers who lives a block away. When the woman and her boyfriend confronted Holden, he reportedly admitted being inside her residence and spotting money on the floor. So White Boy Macamax, I just want to make sure I understand this story correctly. So you have the victim and she's at her apartment and I guess she goes to sleep on her couch and Michael Holden walks down the block. I guess they live a block away and he goes into her apartment and she doesn't hear him creeping around. He's like, he's like almost folks. He's like a white supremacist, right? (laughs) Kind of creeping around, lurking in the shadows. You can't see him, right? And he's running around and he's like, oh, there's all this money on the floor. There's 700 bucks on the floor, right? According to him, he spots 700 bucks. He's like, ah, it's just here, right? Uh, Winter takes off. So he just picks it all up. Picks up the money, right? And then he's kind of wandering around the house. He's like, oh, here's some credit cards in her wallet. So he helps himself to those as well. And then lo and behold, I guess God knows where she hides her sex toys in her nightstand, in her dresser, in her closet, who knows where. But boom, $160 worth of sex toys. So with 160 bucks, folks, it's either a couple of really expensive sex toys or a lot of very cheap sex toys. But in either case, he's like, Man, I am taking these sex toys too. I just, I'll take the money and I'll take the credit cards and I will take those sex toys. So now he's got the money, he's got the credit cards, he's got the sex toys and he leaves. And so she wakes up and she's like, oh my God, I've been robbed. And I don't know folks how she figured that out first, whether she went to pleasure herself and she's like, oh my God, what the hell? Ah, my sex toys, my sex toys. So she goes to see what else is missing and it's the credit cards and the cash. And she's like, ah, right. She's freaking out. And so I guess she goes and tells the neighbor, oh my God, my money's gone and my credit cards are gone. And I don't know, folks, if she disclosed the fact that her sex toys were gone or not. But the neighbor's like, oh, I saw this guy and he went into your apartment and he left your apartment and he might have had some weird stuff, but I couldn't really quite see what it was. But he left and he looks like this and she's like, oh, that's my friend. He lives down the street. And so she gets her boyfriend. She's like, we got to go down there. He stole stuff from me. And can you imagine, folks, being the boyfriend and walking down there with your girlfriend to confront this guy who broke into her apartment? And she's like, you stole my money, you stole my credit cards, and you stole my sex toys. 160 bucks worth of my sex toys. And the boyfriend's there and they're going, baby, I don't please you enough. <laughs> you got $160 worth of sex toys. Oh, no, baby. No, baby. I don't really use them, but I just wanted them just in case. Just in case what? Well, I don't know. Just in case. <laughs> So this poor boyfriend, bless his heart for having to go down with her to collect her sex toys and looks like he is not doing his boyfriend duty if she's got 160 bucks worth of sex toys. And normally, folks, I think normally folks would be like, "Okay, I am just going to let the sex toy thing go. But she's like, no, I want those sex toys back. I want those sex toys. You give me those sex toys back. I, I need my sex toys back because this schmuck, he ain't doing it for me. Holden has been charged with burglary, criminal trespass, and theft. His rap sheet includes convictions for assault, contempt, and criminal trespass, and he is facing disorderly conduct and public drunkenness charges stemming from an arrest last month. 
The affidavit does not indicate whether the sex toys or the other stolen goods were recovered by police. I promise you folks, that woman took back her sex toys. You give me those. I'm going to bleach the hell out of them, but you give me those damn sex toys. And on that note, folks, since I cannot top some weirdo stealing a woman's sex toys, man, buddy, you are hard up for some nasty sex if you're doing that. Since I cannot top that, we are going to go ahead and plug pull this Sunday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. Thank you so much for stopping by this Sunday podcast of the Miller Frost Show. I am your host, Miller Frost, here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. Remember, if you want to get hold of me, Miller at MillerFrostOnline.com is my email and my parlor handle. Hey, come on by and say hello is at MillerFrost. So folks, have a great rest of your weekend, a great start to your week, and we will see you back here in a couple of days. In the meantime, take care. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.